Hello, and welcome to the show where we cast our favourite books into film. I'm Flo. I'm Rachel. And I'm Roxanne. And this is Typecast, brought to you by Rare Birds Book Club. This week, we're casting I've Got Your Number. By Sophie Kinsella. (laughs) (laughs) I never know whether you're going to pull the trigger on that one or not anymore. We're back, baby. Still up to my old tricks. Oh, yeah. Season two. Rachel has learned nothing in (laughs) series one. I'd say that's true. I'd say that's absolutely true. I've I've definitely learned nothing. So I haven't learned anything. Although I did get reprimanded for breaking the rules last season. So let's see if I can cling on to my job. You did, but you also got, got away with it. So... Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we've taught you a bad lesson. <laughs> well, series two, episode one, and we're talking about Sophie Kinsella's I've Got Your Number. It's one of her standalone novels. She's she's pretty prolific. She has she's written like twenty novels in twenty years. It's incredible. Um, and she's probably most famous for um her shopaholic series, I would say. But I've Got Your Number is personally my favorite. I think it's like her funniest book. Okay, so um, if anyone who hasn't read it, uh, I'll just do a quick synopsis. Um, Poppy Wyatt is a physiotherapist that's 10 days from being married to a handsome university professor, Magnus Tavish. Sure, Magnus's family aren't exactly warm and fluffy. In fact, they're all condescending academics who've made it pretty plain they think Poppy isn't a great catch for their son. But Poppy loves Magnus and she's happy. Unfortunately for Poppy, at a champagne tea to celebrate the impending marriage, she loses the one thing she wasn't supposed to lose, her engagement ring. The engagement ring that has been in Magnus's family for three generations. Even worse, she then loses her phone, and so she can't be contacted by the hotel staff if her ring turns up. As she paces desperately around the hotel foyer, she spots an abandoned phone in a bin. I mean, finders keepers, right? Now she can leave the number with the hotel staff. Except the phone's new owner, businessman Sam Roxton, doesn't agree. He wants his phone back and doesn't exactly appreciate Poppy reading all his messages and wading into his personal life. As Poppy juggles wedding preparations, Sam's phone messages, and hiding her left hand from Magnus and his parents, can things get any more tangled? Yes, they can. (laughs) (laughs) They can and they will. (laughs) I think you always suspend your disbelief when you're reading this kind of rom-com that's set in rom-com world in a comedy you have to smooth over some of the realities of real life because you're sort of focused on moving the story forward and moving the comedy forward I mean the thing is though with any comedy it's only 10 percent tonally away from something really horrendous right I mean she, she basically steals a guy's phone and is looking through all his messages I mean that's really creepy but because it's a comedy and it's a really well like I don't know written comedy it, it is just purely funny and for comedies to to essentially work the characters need to be either idiots or, or kind of terrible people in some ways <laughs> they have to cross social boundaries a lot in the same way that people do in sitcoms and and they have to sort of not have the kind of embarrassment and shame factor that people do in real life like just that opening where she sings to the Japanese businessman you're just like oh my god no and she just like, doesn't care she just does it but I think that's an important scene for building her character because they you sort of then you're like oh she's you know she's got some chutzpah you know she's a 
And Sophie Kinsella really draws that because essentially what happens when Poppy finds the phone and she's talking to Sam Roxton, Sam Roxton is like, that's my phone and that's my assistant's phone. I need to like grab it off you. Um, And and then they start having this conversation because these Japanese businessmen is leaving and this big deal is going to go down. And he's like, stole them, stole them. And so Poppy just jumps running. Yeah, he's running down the stairs. (laughs) And Poppy just jumps in front of this Japanese businessman and says that she's the welcoming party or something and then starts singing to all the single ladies. Like, what's the man's name? I don't remember. Mr. Yamasaki. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Yamasaki, Mr. Yamasaki. And they like, oh, they like love it. They're like, whoa, yeah, great. And they're all clapping. Oh my God, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, she tells him she's a singing telegram. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it, that's it. And it's so visual, even though, yeah. you know, and it's really. And then Sam turns up and is watching her from afar, which is great. So we chose this book to talk about in part because we also wanted to talk about how Sophie Kinsella is viewed in the literary world and how she's received and this and and I don't know the the wider implications of chiclet. Chiclet is a term. I mean, it's been around since the sort of mid '90s, but it really rose to prominence in like the early aughts. Chiclet had a big moment and. It was really Helen Fielding's Bridget Jones's Diary and Sophie Kinsella's uh, Secret Dream World of a Shopaholic. They brought Chiclet really to the fore, but then they were also the source of a lot of its criticism, particularly Sophie Kinsella. I think Bridget Jones has actually, in recent years, kind of reached cult status a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Bridget Jones is considered a kind of an important work of fiction now, even if even though it is maligned a little still. It's kind of considered important, and I don't think Sophie Kinsella's work is treated in the same way. She was, she is often the sort of punching bag for everything that's wrong with women's fiction, or she, you know, Shopaho- the Shopaholic series in particular is really very frequently cited, even by other rom com writers, as this is what's wrong with the genre. And I think really unfairly because Sophie Kinsella is a very very gifted writer and a comedic writer. If you read Shopaholic and I've Got Your Number and some of her other books there, they share a lot of qualities. They're very, very funny. And there's like a lot of almost slapstick humor. And she loves these big, farcical, silly endings. All rom-coms kind of share a happy ending. And hers are no exception. There's always a happy ending at Mm -hmm. the end of her books. But they're like these silly, ridiculous, over-the-top final scenes where it always involves the heroine like legging it across a field or <laughs> running out of the church or doing you know what whatever it is and her women are funny they're the funny ones it's it's always the women that are funny not the the man that's like you don't really see that many women especially on screen being represented as slapstick funny it's growing but you know if you wanted to see that you'd have to see it in in lit and yeah. most likely Sophie Kinsella's lit. I do um, understand, you know, some of the criticism behind chiclet and the term chiclet, and we'll kind of get onto that in a second. But before we do, something I think that's really downplayed is the popularity of these books often. You know, Sophie Kinsella sold more than 40 million copies of her books in like 60 countries around the world. And like even Helen Fielding's novel, Bridget Jones's Diary, has sold more than 15 million copies. Like those are not small numbers. It's the easiest thing in the world to be dismissive of women's fiction. But, the, you know, these are like major, major best-selling authors, um, extremely successful and beloved by their readers. I think it's, I think it's Sophie Kinsella's success 
that is partly why she draws so much criticism. Mm. And we've talked a lot about this recently. The idea that when women create art that is successful and popular, people then often turn around and say, oh, but that's not for me. Or like, you don't speak for me as a woman. Yeah. And like the idea that Sophie Kinsella isn't trying to do that. She's writing a very specific thing, you know, for specific women who enjoy reading these books. She's not trying to, you know, speak for every woman in the world. Yeah. But people often sort of turn around and say, well, you know, why do you portray your female characters like this? And it's like, well, why shouldn't she? You know? I know. It's that it's it's the burden that every woman has to speak for every woman, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just yeah. it's impossible. And men just don't get criticized the same way. They just don't. There's always the implicit suggestion that a piece of fiction written by a woman, a woman should be enjoyed by all women, mm. regardless of their, you know, their circumstances, their age or what their interests are, which just is plainly not true. And she can't, she can't carry that either. You know, I mean, it's that's that's why we need diverse voices in literature, in yeah, chiclet, exactly. in in all sorts of genres, so that there are that spread of voices and you can find what you're looking for. But to place everything on one person is just too much. She is writing to a formula, mm. but in the same way that any kind of genre writer is, you know, anyone who writes murder mysteries or thrillers or detective novels they're all formulas you all know kind of vaguely what's going to happen in them you just don't know how it's going to happen I cannot stand it when people read a rom-com and they're like oh the ending was so predictable and it's like (laughs) um sorry you so you'll read a thriller and be like oh my god it was so predictable they you find out who it was I wanted to leave never knowing who murdered the person I mean what a ridiculous criticism I know. Yeah, it's a predictability is a strange one the way we would criticize fiction for that because you know all storytelling to an extent is predictable. Like unless you're getting into like ugh, postmodernism, which I do not want to ever get <laughs> we into. Can't, we, we can't. Predictable because it's unpredictable. Yeah, <laughs> don't make me go back there. But <laughs> she's been scarred you know, for life by postmodernist <laughs> classes that we took in uni. <laughs> you know, stories have a beginning a middle and an end they they all have a shape Mm. and you recognize them instinctively that's why they're stories you read you pick up rom-coms because they're predictable because they're comforting because you want to feel good and happy and that's the experience you want you know it's it's in the same way that you pick up a thriller because you want that sort of adrenaline rush you know I mean it's really it's madness that but I I also find that you know a well-written rom-com like this one is much more compelling and much more of a page turner than your average kind of thriller or murder mystery because there's more that you can do with it. And actually they're kind of, yes, they are to a formula, but there's, you know, it's exciting to see the relationship develop and you're kind of reading, you know, you always enjoy those scenes between the two leads. Whereas in a kind of thriller, it's often that thing of everything's delayed until the last 30 pages and then you find out everything in one go, you know. So I often find actually that it's it's a much more compelling style of book. There's also, in some ways, uh, rom-com writers and romance writers have to do a bit more work than someone like who's writing a thriller because the, the whole thing is I want to find out what has happened, you know, and, and that hooks you in. And I've read thrillers before where I'm really hating it. I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying yeah. it at all. I just want to find out who's Exactly, who's yeah. Who. You're just sort of skim reading it until yeah. you get to the murder and then you're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I think in particular something Sophie Kinsella does so, so well is she's very, very good at 
setting up her novels with two very opposite characters and you know a very familiar pattern for her is the sort of lighter very funny sometimes a little bit scatty heroine and then this quite serious guy who actually you know underneath Mm -hmm. like it's like Sam is a perfect example of this he's a serious businessman but he's actually very very funny he has a great sense of humor himself and is really sort of delighted and entertained by Poppy's antics because you know it's just his spirit just instinctively responds to her and so they're they're very much fun to read how the two sort of bounce off each other and play off each other and influence each other's thinking yeah they they sort of teach one another don't they it's also great because Magnus is is very serious as well, but he's serious in all the wrong ways because he sort of doesn't really see Poppy for who she is, whereas Sam he's does. He's kind of horny, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Kind of defining trait. I know, yeah. for a stuffy academic. Yeah, that's exactly mm. it. Oh, he's, but he's not a stuffy academic. Oh, yeah, he's on true. TV. He's oh, a horny yeah. academic. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we move into the casting, there's one last point I want to cover, which is the term chiclet. Do you like or loathe the term? Does it bother you? It's a really tricky one, partly because I'm not, I don't write those books. <laughs> so I don't know what, it, I don't know the experience of being in that position. And I, I totally understand where Marion Keyes is coming from and feeling that, you know, she's just writing these novels that happen to have romantic elements and have female characters and be sort of lighthearted and fun, but also have serious elements. And just to kind of have that, summed up in that one phrase as though oh this is only for for women you know I understand that that would feel diminishing but at the same time it's kind of like well who cares you know if people are going to label it in that negative way then they're not going to engage with your work anyway so who who really cares yeah I'm 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 sort of similar I I do think it is dismissive and reductive and at the same time it wouldn't put me off reading a book. If someone said, oh, this is chiclet, it wouldn't put me off. And it doesn't raise my hackles because it's it's a term I think used by people that are dismissive of the genre. So I don't really pay attention to that noise. I recently read um, Sally Rooney's Normal People, which I loved, but it's odd to me that a book that is so, that is a romance, it is a romance, but it is, that's literature, but something that Marianne Keyes writes is chiclet. It's, it's very bizarre. I don't understand the, the categorization anyway. So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I think for me, that's the thing is that there is a distinction to be made. You know, when you divide books, fiction books into their genre, like science fiction, fantasy, young adult, Mm. romance, Mm. crime, thriller, all that, that isn't, meant to be a value statement that's just this is where we're going to put it in the bookstore so you can find it yeah that's what those genre distinctions are meant to do they're just meant to make it easier for their readers to find them and where chiclet i think raises everybody's hackles is it does feel like a value statement and when there's this gray zone between you know marion keys and sophie kinsella are very clearly put in the bookstore under the romance section and sally rooney's normal people is literary fiction and it's in it's in the fiction the general fiction shelves and david nichols one day yeah again, again not yeah. considered a romance mm-hmm. not put in the romance section well, that's because he's a man yeah. men can't write men don't write chiclet i don't know if you know this but men don't <laughs> write chiclet <laughs> you know i think when you're thinking about whether you like chiclet or not or whether it bothers you what i would really challenge people to do is to try and take the 
you know, try and extract the meaning from it. Don't read value in a genre label because it, it's it's just really meant to direct you. It's really meant to, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's meant to direct you. I mean, I definitely agree that, you know, prospective readers shouldn't be put off if a book has been described as chiclet. Just, you know, read the blurb. Mm. See if the story appeals to you and then read it. And don't worry too much about whether it's got a pink glittery cover or not. Yeah. Because, you know, that that has a lot to answer for as well, the way that these publishing houses are marketing these books. The marketing is is what I think often really hurts mm. this genre thing. You don't want to pick up a book that's like seem feels really girly and it mm. feels quite sort of patronizing and dismissive mm. and it's got that covered bunting. in bunting and <laughs> the yeah, bunting. the bunting thing. Why? Why? <laughs> and it, it does I, I often think those types of covers do a real disservice to the stories inside of them, which aren't you know, they're not silly or fluffy or they're or they're much more than those things Mm. if they are those things be quite interesting to do like a sort of series of sort of reprints of chiclet novels but targeted towards men so they could have covers like black and silver (laughs) covers with like like lime green letters and And shattered glass glass. yeah a bloodied fist i've got your number would look great with a bloody fist and shattered glass i mean you could i've got your number could easily be like a murder thriller like i've got your number (laughs) yeah she uncovers like a murder via text yeah i mean i just I just really enjoyed this book. It's so entertaining. You know, it does exactly what you want it to do. There's a few authors that I take more in just enjoyment from their books. I always enjoy her books. I always go in knowing I'm going to have a laugh and that it's just going to be sort of a delightful experience. Yeah, delightful is a good word for it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, especially if you're like, in a if you're in a reading slump, Sophie Kinsella will snap you out of it. Oh, if you're yeah, just if totally. you're just feeling like you need uh, something like a refreshing snack, Sophie Kinsella is great. Okay, so uh, you know before we get into it, I think let's just go through the rules. It's a new season. It's time to remind everybody, including our hosts not <laughs> not naming names um of the rules so um is everyone listening uh particularly roxanne are you um sorry what just please take note huh? it's like do you know what do you know what this segment of the podcast is it's like when you're on an airplane and they're like listen we know you've seen the safety <laughs> video before but it's very important that you take note of these details okay yeah yeah nice and simple rule number one um, your choices must be living. So hashtag no daddies. <laughs> no daddies going strong in series two. <laughs> oh God. Rule number two: all your casting picks must be contemporary. So you have to cast them as they are now, not you know as they were from this film in the nineties. So can we have an example? <laughs> however good he may be, we can't put forward. Gregory Peck and Roman Holiday. Oh, great choice. Because he would be great. Isn't he a daddy? Yeah, so he's breaking two rules. Two rules. (laughs) Good job, Roxanne. A double minefield. Gregory Peck, unsuitable for this. Damn. The final rule is, again, they must be actors or with ambitions to cross over. So Leanne from Love Island, inappropriate choice. However wonderful she may be, no reality stars at this time, unless we know they're actively trying to break into. Yes. Or they have dabbled in the past. Yes. Absolutely. 
with a book like this, like a rom-com, it's usually pretty simple to figure out who to cast because there's only ever a handful of characters. So Poppy is our heroine. Of course, we're going to cast her. And Sam, who is the romantic lead. And Magnus, who Magnus. is the romantic the romantic red herring. The misty <laughs> direction. Line. I mean, also, Magnus <laughs> Tavish seems like he was like taken straight out of like a Regency romance novel name. So Poppy we know is how old is poppy i think she's in her late 20s isn't she 27 this is what i had trouble with oh is she 27 apparently because i couldn't i couldn't quite place what their ages should be and so that's why i sort of found this casting quite Mm -hmm. tricky really often in romantic comedies is that 27 is like the ideal age for the heroine she's always sort of in her late 20s but distinctly under 30 27 is such a nebulous age when really i feel like 27 means like she's actually like she should be like 33 yeah but women post 30 are really disgusting so it has to be. Mm, that's true. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah okay. isn't it like once you turn 30, you're actually not allowed to leave the house? Because <laughs> well, I certainly haven't in the last 10 weeks. So. Men get upset when they see you on the street yeah. walking around. I, I mean, the way I viewed the characters was, yeah, Poppy, late 20s, early 30s. And yeah. I would say the men a bit older because they're a bit more together. Uh, yeah, I picture Sam and uh, Magnus probably somewhere like around 35 between 35 and 40 probably they're both pretty successful magnus is a professor of what history who are these successful people in their mid-30s i don't know any (laughs) he's got a tv career and sam is like a big important guy at his like whatever his company does consulting or something (laughs) (laughs) he's he's an important company guy they need some time to amass that success so they i think need to be in their kind of late 30s yeah I mean, looks-wise, what do we know about them? Sam is dark-haired, and so is Poppy. Got rumpled hair. I almost pictured Magnus as kind of a redhead. Oh, I pictured him He's totally definitely a redhead. redhead. Yeah. yeah. He's like yeah. Richard Madden, a classic redhead. <laughs> <laughs> this trolling has to stop. Anyway, this is the first description of Sam, is that he's wearing a dark suit and has thick, black, rumpled hair. Why do all heroes have rumpled hair? I don't know, it's kind of hotter. Because it's it's just like a suggestion of kind of, you know, a free spirit underneath the <laughs> underneath the business suit. But yeah, Sam is, is sort of classically tall, dark and handsome. Magnus is also very attractive with kind of slightly longish auburn hair. Magnus is very vain. Sam is just unaware of his attractiveness or it's yeah. irrelevant to him. Maybe is the maybe is a closer yeah. closer to the truth. But Magnus loves that he's really smart and good looking and you know, he's he's really yeah. quite Magnus awesome. knows he's a catch. Sadly yeah. he's not really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Poppy is sort of tall and leggy with sort of dark hair and big and long eyelashes, she makes a point of saying. And Magnus is frequently talking about how beautiful she is and often undermining her intelligence in favor of her of her looks. Like he's, he's constantly, yeah. Yeah. So. He's really threatened by her anytime she shows any type of intelligence of her own, particularly in Scrabble. Yeah. yeah. Which is a yeah. brutal game. <laughs> If I mean, the thing about that scene is that it would be so obvious that she's cheating. <laughs> yeah. I'm sort of like, these people can't be that smart. <laughs> she's like checking her phone and then being like, wazled for 130 <laughs> points, please. I think for me, what 
I think is quite important for Poppy definitely is a, an actress who can do comedy because there's so much comedy in this book and if you have the right actress who can really do those do that kind of slightly slapsticky comedy then I think that's going to bring so much life to the film okay guys Mm -hmm. let's get down to business who do you want to start with should we start with poppy yeah i think so that's the most logical okay pops pops poppatines pop meister (laughs) i have a feeling um i have a strong feeling that we're going to have we're going to say a few of the same names here one in particular yeah i think we are too should i say the one that i think you think i'm gonna say first yeah start with that um (laughs) daisy edgar jones who was in normal people no 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 she's only 21 yeah she's you just leave her. Okay, all right. Jeez. I mean, she's got the right look, definitely. Yeah, well, that's what I thought, and I, I thought she could, she could do comic, I reckon, because she's, she no, has... she's a child. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Well, that, that, that was one of my picks. That was the one I thought you were going to say. Um, so then the other two picks that I, I do actually feel a bit more strongly about is, um, my first one is uh, Naomi Scott, who played Jasmine in Aladdin. Mm-hmm. I thought she was. Love her. Oh yeah, I love her. I thought she has really good energy for it. She's around about the right age, and she um she had some really comic moments in Aladdin and I and emotional ones. So I think she'd be really good as Poppy. And the second one was uh, Letitia Wright, who played Shuri in Black Panther and uh, Yara Love in Guava Island. And I just I you know I think she could be really funny and she's gorgeous and you know. Around about the right age too, I think. Or she might be a bit young, actually. But so those are my two picks. I feel like those are all quite too young, maybe. Is Naomi Scott too young? Isn't she like 23 or something? No, I think she's older. She's 27. She's exactly 27. So I I don't know. I think she'd be good. I I do get what uh, Flo says, though, because Naomi Scott looks quite young. Right. I do love her, though. And I do. I, I I think she would be good. But she's almost too good looking and glamorous for it. Is she is she English and is this are we thinking of because Flo mentioned in passing last week that she was thinking about doing an American cast. So how are you how are we picked? Is this is this set in London? The book is set in London. Mine were all English picks because the book was set in London, but you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to an American cast. Naomi Scott is English. She actually went to school really near me. Really? So she's you're my best friend. That's so um, cool. But you can do an impeccable American accent. So you've got that on your side. Well, I didn't set your worlds on fire. So next n- next person. Yeah. Okay. So I got really confused while I was doing this. <laughs> okay. Because um, I had it in my mind. That I wanted to do an American version. And then I found it quite hard to think of, of good actresses for it. But I did. I've got one. And actually, she's mm-hmm. a bit on the young side. But I love her. Um, Zoe Deutsch. She's on my list too. Oh, yay. yeah. Okay, cool. I think she would be real for an American ad- adaptation. I think she would be great. She's like yeah. exactly what I picture Poppy as. Yes. So Zoe Deutsch. Um, she was in this Netflix rom com called Set It Up, and she's just delightful in that. I yeah, think she's she perfect. Really she has real Poppy vibes. That's a really good pick. Yeah. Yeah. She's she. My only reluctance with her is she again. I feel is a little bit young. 
little bit young. And that was my problem is that I then tried to think who would be a good male counterpart for her. And because she does seem younger, I wanted to get a younger guy. And then I couldn't quite think of the right actor because like we said, Sam does seem like he would be, you know, 35-ish. So, but I think she, she has the right vibe for it. The challenge with Poppy and Sam, I mean, you know, we you could just say that there's an age difference between them because in terms of their careers, Poppy is a physiotherapist and where she is in her life, like she could easily be any age from like 25 to 35 and there would yeah, be sort of yeah. no di- difference in her circumstances. But the problem with Sam and Magnus is that they're, they just, I couldn't cast them younger because kind of the the level of success they've reached in their careers. And particularly with Sam, like my castings are all older. My castings are all like pushing into 40, into their 40s now. See, some of the things that Poppy does sort of does strike me as someone that is a bit younger. So I don't know if it would be detrimental necessarily to have an actress that was around 25, say, because, you know, some of the stuff (laughs) Poppy does is, is a bit silly. Yeah, Zoe Deutsch and Naomi Scott would are both very good if you're if we're just happy to have them be a bit younger. I then was thinking of like a slightly older cast and I thought of Constance Wu. Oh, I um, like Constance Wu. Again, Constance Wu. she's such a brilliant comic actress, but she can also do the kind of serious stuff. And she kind of has that rom-com look to her like she's she's really cute and mm. she's sort of quite little and kind of peppy yeah. and she and she can do the sort of like slightly zany yeah. thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. i yeah. think constant swoo is actually a really really good pick yeah. I, I love that i'd watch anything with her in it so um, me too i really yeah, like yeah. her that's that's okay. a really good so pick. i'm actually not doing so bad no so strong sure. strong pick um i might just leave it there actually <laughs> okay <laughs> okay <laughs> that's right right. quit while you're ahead I like that (laughs) I will not be doing that (laughs) all right well we already know one of your picks how many choices have you got (laughs) I've got four but really I really only have two but Zoe Deutsch was 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 a good one so we'll we'll... I adore Zoe Deutsch yeah which was the actress you thought we were all gonna say my actually top choice for this role and I'm astonished neither of you said her is Amelia Clark really to me, Amelia Clark is like it's just so poppy. It's ridiculous. You know, she did give off poppy vibes in last. Is it last Christmas? Yeah, it is last Christmas. No, oh, here we go. Last <laughs> you Christmas. Just <laughs> I don't think she did give off poppy vibes no? in last Christmas. No. She, you know where she gives off big poppy vibes is in her new Clinique commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see Poppy using Clinique. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. Amelia, yeah, Amelia Clark to me was just, she instantly came into my mind and I was like, yeah. Actually, I, I like that. I mean, so far my favorites are probably Constance Wu. And actually, Amelia, Amelia Clark, you're selling me on it. I could see Amelia Clark. The last person I'd like to put forward, again, a little bit young, which is why she was not my first choice, but I think that could, again, be really good, was Daisy Ridley. Yeah, I actually thought about. I her. thought about yeah. her too, but I, I sort of again, I don't know why she sort of didn't make me my list. But um, Daisy Ridley isn't bad either. I don't think Daisy Ridley has the same kind of goofy yeah. energy. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. Like she seems a bit too kind of in possession of her, you know, sort of self-possessed and kind of organized. <laughs> okay, we're walking away with Constance Wu, 
Amelia Clark, surely. Yeah. I and I think I mean I think Naomi Scott should get a look in, at least in the audition space. Kick us off with Sam. Well, for my Sam, I have two choices that I think are going to make you guys very angry. And I have one choice that I actually think is great and will go through. Um. Okay. Before you say it, is one of your choices the name that you cannot stop bringing up? No, none of them. None of them are ones I cannot stop bringing up. Um, So the, the top choice that I think would actually really work. And when I thought of him, I was like, yes, I actually... I think this is really good, is Tom Bateman. So he played Rawdon Crawley in Vanity Fair, in the recent Vanity Fair, and he also played the leading role as John Beecham in Beecham. And he has a sort of, I don't know, he's, I mean, he's tall, dark, and handsome, um, but he's, yeah, he's, not. he's also has that sort of. Uh, oh, my God. Hold on. Stop the presses. What? Do you know who he's engaged to? Who? Daisy Ridley. <laughs> Oh, no, that's <laughs> oh, is it because they didn't they meet on? They were there in a film together. Was it Murder on the Orient Express? Yes, Murder. Well, he was in Murder on the Orient Express, but I don't know. Done. Perfect. Okay, wrap it up, guys. Let's take it home. I, I do. I do think he he is he is perfect for the role. He's 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 English. He's he's handsome. He's very charming, and I don't know. He's got rumpled hair. He does have rumpled hair. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was my. That was my top choice. He's definitely hot. I've never seen him in anything, so I can't speak to his acting ability or his comic ability. He's, he's good. He's good. I think he could do the role justice. Okay, strong opening suggestion. Probably is going to go downhill from here. I think this is <laughs> the second um, one, which is a curveball, and <laughs> is Matt Smith, who played Prince Philip in The Crown, and he... No, 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 no. 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 I knew no. that would make We're you not angry. Taking that- we're not taking that any further. Absolutely not. Though. He's very charismatic, and I think he yeah, he would bring something no. a bit no. more to the no, 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 no. And then my last one, which I know is just going to get a flat no to, is uh, Liam Hemsworth, because I think Sam Roxton no. has really Australian no. energy. Oh Rox really phoned it in on Sam. She just pulled what out her dossier, picked the first three names she saw. Tom Bateman is a great choice. Tom Bateman's good. Yeah. Tom Bateman is I, I, good. I like the funny thing is, is that I had so many names on my list and I whittled it down. And then I was like, you guys are going to rip me a new one. And then I finally came up with Tom Bateman like 10 minutes before we started recording. And I was like, this is amazing. Okay. I like Tom Bateman. Not better than my choices, though, so we'll see. Okay. Okay, Flo, who do you got? Okay, so I think my number one choice is Charlie Cox. Um, I don't know. I don't think... I love Charlie Cox. (laughs) Let me speak. Let a woman speak before you begin to tear her down. Um, Charlie Cox is the lead in Daredevil, and he was also in Stardust. He's so and good at Stardust. He's like really cute and a little bit goofy looking, but also like smoking hot. Do you know what? His his face might be too small. Oh my god! Please, not this again. <laughs> I don't yeah. agree. Uh, no, it's a firm and no I for me. Please explain why. <laughs> I'm a Charlie Cox stan, but that's a firm no for me. Oh, fine. <laughs> Well, it's um, not too—it's not too small in Stardust. It's the perfect size, but I think for Sam, it's not right. 
I think he'd be really good. I think I think he's really charming. Oh. <laughs> you guys lack imagination. <laughs> okay, um, who else do you have? So my, my other choice was Tom Hughes, who plays what's he called Albert in um, Victoria with Jenna Coleman, and he's actually married to Jenna Coleman, which is nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He, bleh, don't like him. Okay. I don't, don't really like care the look about of him. <laughs> I'll take. You know what? If it's between the two, I'll, Charlie Cox can. Charlie, I'll take Charlie Cox back. <laughs> okay. And the other name that I had on my list, which is. Well, I'm assuming Rachel is going to say. Is? Aiden Turner. Oh, no. What? No, no, no. He's all Then who is it? Who are you waiting? What is the part that you're going to cast him in? Because every time we say him, you're like, oh, no, I've got the perfect role for him. And then it never materializes. I think Aiden Turner is a good choice for Sam. I I had him on my list at one stage. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Not a business guy. Not a business guy. Just put him in a suit. That's what a business guy is. They're just (laughs) men in suits. Runs a mine. He runs his farm. No, no. This is the thing about Aiden Turner as an actor. He is just Aiden Turner is not meant for a contemporary role. Like he he has period face. Big time. I disagree. And you know that he definitely doesn't have period chest. <laughs> no, no period abs there. Period pecs are not what Aiden Turner has. Okay. Are you guys ready to be inspired for Sam? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay. okay. I have two choices. I, I actually had four, but t- two of the four were just phone-ins like <laughs> one of those four was chris pine which i knew was going to be a flat note for me uh, i actually don't mind chris pine for sam anyway go on I I love it. okay so my top choice who i actually think would be absolutely brilliant is chiwetel ejiofor Ooh, that i mean i can't lie that is that That's is good interesting because do you know what he is so hot first of all (laughs) he could look so sort of forbidding and serious like in his business job but you could also picture him having these lol texts with poppy like helping her with the scrabble world words i do like that i do like that Uh, and i was fully expecting you to uh, come out with something mental i love chiwetel but I feel like he's too, he's not, he's not the serious, but I just feel like he's too serious an actor for this role. I, I don't, I think, I don't think he's too serious. I think he might be a shade too old. Yes. He might be a bit old. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and that's the thing is my Sams are all older and our poppies are younger, but I love him. And I think he's, I think he would be so good as Sam. Who would you pair him with? Like Amelia Clark? <sighs> Amelia Clark probably. Yeah. I mean that, I, I do like that. I do like that. Yeah. I mean, I would I definitely bring him in for an audition if you take the audition. I mean, you don't audition Chiwetel, though, do you? you no. You you just, you just you phone him. him. <laughs> yeah. You phone him up and you leave him sort of a desperate, thirsty message like, please be in our film. You'd be the perfect Sam. <laughs> um, I, I do think he might be a bit old, but I, I do like it. My um, second choice. This is kind of a curveball because this is I'm bringing in a big name here. But this is for my sort of American casting and I think would look great across from Zoe Deutsch is Jake Gyllenhaal. No. Come no, that is all wrong. That is so wrong. No, that was... 
I just I just saw the little smile cross Flo's face. She I liked love it. it. I mean, obviously, he's amazing, but I can't believe that you're like no to Aiden Turner, but yes to Jake Gyllenhaal. That is just they have completely completely different vibes. They have completely different vibes. They do. Jake, there's something a bit. Jake Gyllenhaal is like a bit of an oddball. Yeah, like he's got a bit of a twinkle, so you could. I could just perfectly picture him. No. Again, no. starts out seeming like this serious, successful business guy, but there's a lurking twinkle. <laughs> he looks so good right now with his long hair oh. and his beard. God. I'm loving that look. He is just loving so it. handsome. My God. Um, I don't see him with Zoe Deutsch, no. but I can maybe see him with maybe Constance Wu, actually. Do you know actually who I see? I, I see Tom Bateman with Constance Wu. Mm, I don't love that. I kind of like mm. the idea of having an American poppy and an English sound. Look, Tom Bateman with Daisy Ridley we know works because <laughs> that's what happens in real life. So but what if they have no on-screen yeah, chemistry because yeah. they used it all up in real life? Mm. Mm. That could be a challenge. But you know what? She's We've still got uh, Magnus to deal with, so that would okay. sort of mix it up on set. All right. Magnus. I had fun with Magnus, and again, there were several people I pictured for him. I only... He was easy for me. I only picked one because he was basically who I saw. Okay. And he's probably... He's definitely too old, but I felt like this is... Magnus Tavish is Toby Stevens, <laughs> who is Mr. Rochester in the Jane Eyre series, and he he's John Robinson <laughs> in Lost in Space. No, yeah, no, but no. I just... He <laughs> is Magnus Tavish. He, he just is him. He could play Magnus's dad. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say. He could be Magnus's dad. Anthony. No, I just, I just, I think he, yeah, I don't know. No, don't see that. Okay. Flo. (laughs) Um, I think I got confused again. (laughs) Because I just wrote down Alex Pettifer. Why? No, No, that's all wrong. He doesn't look smart. I know, but that's kind of the vibe I get from Magnus is that, He's like a pretty boy who kind of pretends to be smart, but is actually kind of a dum-dum. I have quite a good choice for this. I have quite a good pick. I actually have two good picks. Yeah. With great reluctance, I say my first pick because I this is probably he's probably the king of my dossier, but I think he would make <laughs> oh, a I great know who you're gonna say. king of my dossier. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you're going to say now. James Norton. Yeah, it's going to be Jason. That's not bad. I, I don't mind it, but it, it just seems like criminal to put him in a... I know, but he he looks how I pictured Magnus would look, and you could definitely see him playing the role, like all dressed up in tweed, thinks he's like Mr. Smart Guy. It's kind of a dick, actually. Yeah, I can see that. Another one I had for him, just as kind of a, a more lols choice, was Sam Hewen. Oh my God, that's actually good. Actually, yeah. Sam Hewen is yeah. good. That that I like that even more. Don't think of him as as Jamie and Outlander, but think of him in real life with his act with his hair actually shorter. That's perfect, oh. I think. And you know what, Sam Hewen to me kind of looks like a younger um, Toby Stevens. So, oh, there you go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Sam Hewen. Yes, that's done. <laughs> are we going to get Toby? Are we are going to get Toby Stevens to play yeah. Sam Hewen. Toby <laughs> Stevens is just. <laughs> Ticking all the boxes. Oh my god, that's amazing! I'm really excited about it's the about time we saw casting like that because for years, you know, women in their 30s and early 40s have been playing the mothers of men in their early 30s. So why not do it for men? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. I love that. I'm I'm all on board. <laughs> Sam Hewen as Magnus. <laughs> I also think that Sam Hewen is the right level of fame. Yeah, you know, he's not he's not like an A lister, and I think that. 
that's why he works for this role. So really, then where are we at? So we got Sam Hewins a yes, definitely for Magnus. So for who are we calling back for Sam? Tom Bateman and Chiwetel. Who did I say? Oh, Charlie Cox. <laughs> I was, yeah, it was just, <laughs> I don't know if that's choices. Come on, like you're not going to call Charlie Cox for interview. You're out of your mind. <laughs> I, I'm, I, you know, I, maybe you know my feelings about Jake, and and I say we get him in as well. I think we got to end this now. <laughs> this All right, <laughs> it's time to call it a day. <laughs> this is such a chaotic episode for, for a series opener. It's it's the lockdown mood. It's gotten to us. It has. Are you sure this is not just like our permanent energy, though? Oh, yeah, it might be. It might be. We keep saying, oh, this was a chaotic episode, but that every single episode ends in the same way. Where it's, the, the casting is a complete shit show. We can't decide anything. And I, then we just, we get frustrated and end it abruptly. I would say that it felt personally chaotic for me. Like normally you two are chaotic and I'm the voice of reason. <laughs> and in this episode, Ooh. I felt that I really let the side down. Yeah. Fire and and I agree with that, you did. <laughs> But you did crash and burn this episode, I will say. Charlie Cox. Cool Charlie Cox, I don't know. I can't believe that Charlie Cox Charlie was, Cox was a disaster choice. I think you need to think Is about that, what you've oh done. Oh my God, are you out of your mind? Um, I, I think want... we need to end this I again. Before this becomes another argument. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <sighs> Goodbye.